Welcome to the Vanessa G. Fitcast. If you think eating less is the answer to getting lean, or that you have to choose between having donuts and wine or having a body you love, well then, girl, you are in the right place. Chances are you've fallen victim to diet culture's terrible advice on how to eat and exercise. But don't worry, this podcast is going to bring you actionable information so you can start transforming your body without giving up your life. I'm Vanessa Gillette, founder and head coach of Vanessa G Fitness and Nutrition. This podcast was born from my passion for helping all women create bodies they feel confident in. Thank you for tuning in and trusting me to support and guide you. Now let's do this. Welcome back to the Vanessa G Fitcast. I'm Vanessa Gillette Pozos. And today I'm actually going to be sharing an episode from the Wellbeing Wanderer podcast where I actually sat down with my new friend Kat Burdett on her podcast and we talked all things hormone health, weight loss, relationship with food, and so much more. And as I was listening back to this episode on her show, I I realized that, you know, she did such a great job of asking me questions. And, you know, we talked about a lot of great things. I wanted to actually bring this episode back to our VGFN fam as well. So on this episode, we talk about my story with my turbulent relationship with food. We talk about how I cracked the code on my own weight loss struggles. We talk about how your hormones and gut and just other internal health markers come into play with transforming your body and so much that I just am so excited for you guys to dive in. You know, if you do enjoy this episode, please be sure to also check out the Wellbeing Wanderer podcast and maybe give Kat a follow on Instagram, which I'll link in the show notes for you. But I'm so grateful to her for allowing me to really share this episode with you. So without further ado, let's dive in to my interview on the Wellbeing Wanderer podcast. Hello, beautiful Vanessa, and welcome to the show. I am delighted to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yay, so excited to dive into this conversation. Before we get going, let's kick this off with an introduction. So I'd love for you to share with everyone who you are and what you do. Yeah, of course. So I'm Vanessa Gillette Pozos. I run a online nutrition and fitness coaching company called Vanessa G Fitness Nutrition, also known as Team VGFN. And our mission is to help women develop a better relationship with their body, with their food, so that the next generation doesn't have to. And we really specialize in helping women not only have physical transformations, but improve their relationship with their food, how they interact with eating and how they interact with their body, while also improving their internal health, their hormone health, their gut health, and just how they feel as a whole. Mm, That's beautiful. That's such an important mission. And yeah, this is uh, a little bit of what I do, but uh, mine's more uh, self-care, self-love, mindset work, but you know, all those things do come into it as well massively. Yeah, absolutely. Incredible. So I know that you've had your battles with weight, uh, with weight gain and diets, and you're incredibly passionate about like say, helping women gain control of this in a healthy way. So I'm interested to learn when and how you crack the code on this for yourself. Yeah, that's a really great question because for me, it really was this process of me becoming a coach and then developing a coaching company really started with me working through my own struggles. I, you know, of course I was the skinny kid at first growing up, but, you know, going into more in like high school into college, things really caught up with me as I became a little bit more sedentary. Um, I My sport of choice was riding horses, which wasn't as active as some of the other sports that other kids were doing growing up. And so I was definitely more sedentary as I got older. And as I went into more of those you know, later teen, early 20s years where you know there's a lot of mental shifts and a lot of just growth that happens during that time. And as I was mentally struggling with things, as I was stressed out, as I was going through you know, some micro traumas, I really turned to food as a coping mechanism during that time. And so I ended up having this really unhealthy back and forth relationship between completely restricting myself, limiting my list of foods that I believe to be clean enough for me to be eating down to just hardly a bullet list to breaking down at the dietitian's office in our um, athletics department at my university and 
just saying like, I don't even know what to eat anymore. I don't know how to eat at this point in time. And so that's when I end up actually being sent to a eating disorder therapist who really specialized in working through things that I was going through, like binge eating, like orthorexia, where I was really obsessive with the types of foods. And so during that time, I really learned to eat intuitively. I learned to develop a just much more healthy relationship with food where I can learn that any food can fit into a healthy diet. And so from there, I really started to explore like, okay, where is that balance between allowing any and every food into our diet and having this just really healthy relationship with food and also making sure that we're really treating our bodies well and giving our bodies the nutrition that it needs along the way as well. So of course, during that just kind of give and take process, I did gain a lot of weight during that time. I put on about 30 pounds in a year while I was in college, really trying to figure out my relationship with food. And from there, I found myself feeling really insecure, developing a lot more just more mental health issues at that point, because now I had new problems of just these deep insecurities as I'm entering my early 20s. And it led me to, again, start to struggle with my relationship with food because it became something where I knew I wasn't happy in the body I was in. I always had identified as being an athlete growing up. I no longer felt like an athlete. I was embarrassed of my body. I didn't like to get dressed. I didn't like to try on clothes. And yet here I was just completely at a loss. So that's when I really dove into just learning more about nutrition just for the fun of it, because I wanted to be able to help myself. And there were actually, it's funny enough, there were times that that point in time where I would even have friends in college saying like, you should really think about becoming a nutritionist. And I would say things like, oh, like, you know, I don't have the body for it. Like nobody would even take me seriously because I'm not, you know, lean enough. Like I, I would never, never do anything like that. So I didn't even take myself seriously at the time. And so long story short, I eventually then did have my own physical transformation from a really healthy place of truly just finding a love of strength training after college, really just learning to fuel myself appropriately, eat enough food, learn that I can eat a lot of food and still see those changes happen in my body as my body was having this recomposition effect of gaining muscle and losing body fat. And as I started to share about my story online, I started to have people reach out to me, some, you know, old friends from my past or just different people that shared with, you know, I'm struggling with those same things. Like, can I ask you for some advice? Can I get some help? And so long story short, I know I've already said that once. The story just keeps getting longer, I feel like. But, you know, I essentially decided it's time that maybe I explore getting a certification in nutrition coaching, see if I can just help some people out. So got a certification, started to help some people. And then before I knew it, I was helping a lot of people, really finding a love for it to the point where, again, I really actually had more issues because I burned myself out. I poured myself so much into my work and so much into helping other people that I would stay up late at night stressing about, you know, how am I going to help this one person who I feel like I can't get through to? Or like, what if this one person isn't loving their experience in my program? Or I would just really internally stress myself to the point that then I actually developed some pretty severe hormone and gut issues. Really about a year ago was when it really surfaced to the point of, I need to do something about this. Mm -hmm. And so from there, I really dove into learning more about how your body works internally. And that's where now I've shifted to truly having a passion of realizing You have to make sure that your internal health, your hormone health, your gut health, your mental health is in a great place before you can even achieve the physique changes that you ultimately want to have. Yeah. Wow. A lot of what you say there really resonates with me. And that's a quite a big part of my journey. I don't think I ever had an eating disorder, but certainly I've always been an emotional eater. Mm. And I was always very overweight throughout school. I was never the skinny one, actually. (laughs) I was always the chubby one. Um, And then it took me a really long time to to find that balance that you're talking about. And it is, like you say, it's a combination of everything. You know, it's not just about the food you eat. Um, A lot of it does come down to your mental health and your hormones as well. Um, And also your metabolism. So that's another thing I wanted to ask you, actually. You you talk about um, resetting your metabolism. How is it that we actually do this? And what does it mean to reset your metabolism? Yeah, so... 
really the process that we take our clients through primarily starts with a reverse dieting process to where we are really strategically increasing their food intake in a way that we can just support their metabolic processes. So for some clients, if we're seeing symptoms of there also being some hormonal dysfunction, then there's going to be other things that happen along that because your metabolism, it really is kind of an obscure word when you think about it, but it encompasses so many different processes going on in our body from how is our thyroid functioning? How is our gut functioning? How are our adrenals functioning? All these things impact what makes up your metabolism. And so when I refer to your metabolism, what I'm really considering is what is your total ability to burn calories? Like what is your ability to expend energy in a healthy way? And so for a lot of these women who come to us, and this was once me when I went through a lot of restriction, was my body was metabolically adapted for a period of time to where I got to a point that I just thought that eating less calories was good. So if I eat even less calories, that's better. And even less calories, that's great. I just thought it was just this continuum of the less I eat, the better body I'm going to have, the, the, just the better I am as a person. But the reality is what happens during that process is as we're eating less and less, our metabolism is responding to that and realizing that that's our new normal. Now, if we're only eating a thousand calories, then your body learns to only burn a thousand calories. And so as women do this, they get sucked into these you know, 1200 calorie diets that are so popular online, then they don't realize that they are accidentally slowing their metabolism down. And now they spend decades doing this. And now you have women who are getting into their 30s and their 40s and just assuming that, oh, my metabolism has slowed down with age or it's just my genetics. They don't realize that while, yes, genetics does play a role, yes, age can play a role, but a lot of the reason why they feel like they have a slow metabolism is really what they are doing to themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, definitely. It definitely makes sense. I was just trying to relate that to what I've been through and also when you do that with the lesser calories it does confuse your body because we know that it's not sustainable and so Mm -hmm. you're always going to get these like weight fluctuations and that's what I I was uh, finding as well Um, my weight was always fluctuating and it was impossible Um, and you just you know you feel miserable as well don't you when you're eating less less calories than you need to and you're hungry you know it makes you angry and you can't focus so it's really not a great place to be in at all (laughs) yeah exactly and you know in the modern world we live in where we do have such easy access to food it really is you know there's there's a lot of like battles online of people saying like oh you know you can't have that much metabolic adaptation because, you know, if you completely starve yourself, you are going to lose weight. Like you're not going to just be, get to this like starvation mode that people talk about where eventually you're just, you know, gaining weight, even though you're actually eating 800 calories a day. And like, that's exactly correct. Like if you actually are eating only 800 calories a day and you're a grown adult woman who's not just, you know, sitting in a bed completely like a vegetable 24-7, you absolutely are going to lose weight from doing that. Not in a healthy way, but you are going to lose weight. However, the reality is we're not humans that are just like in some controlled lab where you actually are going to eat 800 calories all the time. Whether you actually realize it or not, we are, our bodies, they're survival machines. And so you might go through a period of time where you're starving yourself eating 800 calories at a time. But whether you recognize it or not, there are going to be some days where you overconsume. You swing to the other end of the spectrum as your body's response, your body needing that energy, that calories. And so in doing so, your body has slowed down, your metabolic rate has slowed down. When you do have those big swings upward, you intake a lot of food. That difference, that difference in calories, that's what's being stored as body fat. And that's how women get to that place where they're saying, I don't understand why Like I'm only eating a thousand calories and yet I'm gaining weight. The reality is I would bet unless, you know, there could, of course, everybody's different. There could be some individual cases there, but 99% of the time, they're not actually eating a thousand calories every single day. There are times where they are overeating. Maybe they're getting it from alcohol, going out with their friends. There might be something that's happening that they are consuming calories just on those rare days. And that's what's causing the weight gain over time. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, yeah, I can relate to that as well. Like the days when I 
try not to eat very much, then I end up eating like about three bowls of pasta the next day or, you know, right. <laughs> pizza or, or something uh, like that. But that also uh, brings me to the point about the quality of food that you're eating. Mm. Because there's this whole thing, and I'm actually, I'm going to confess, I am a clean eater, like yeah. I natural foods. Yeah. Uh, I will say that I'm not obsessive about it, and I allow myself indulgences from time to time. Um, but like 80% of the time, I eat clean, 20% of the time, I'm, you know, not so careful there. But that works really, really well for me. Um, so let's talk about the quality of food that you're consuming. How does that affect you? Yeah. I mean, exactly what you are doing is exactly what we teach to where we really call it the 80-20 rule of we want to have 80% of our food really coming from those nutrient-dense sources that we are getting all of the vitamins and the minerals and things that we need to support our function, again, to support our hormones, to support our gut, to support our internal health. But at the same time, your mental health is important. And the foods that give us pure emotional value, some foods that do not have any, you know, vitamins and minerals in them, yet they are still giving us emotional value. Those are still valuable foods. And it is 100% okay to have those foods in moderation. And so that's where we want to always try and teach having that balance of about 80% to 20%. And that might not look the same every day. Some days you might have those ratios be a little bit off, but if it's really just staying about that percentage of 80% and 20%, you're going to make sure that you're getting enough quality while also making sure that you're still enjoying food, you're not feeling restricted, and so that you can actually stick with this and make it sustainable. Like I know, you know, for me, Nikki, you were mentioning of when those times when you've restricted and then you find yourself reaching for the pasta or the cereal. For me, I used to consider cereal to be a like quote unquote trigger food. Like I would keep it out of the house. I was like, oh, I cannot have cereal in the house because if I eat it, I'm going to eat like the whole box. I'm just going to get out a bowl. You know, after everybody else goes to sleep, I'm going to go and like sneak in the pantry, get my bowl, get my cereal, pour my milk, and I'm just going to keep eating it. Like oh, run out of cereal, add more milk or run out of cereal, add more cereal, run out of milk, add more milk and just keep doing that until the cereal box is empty. And then I would just create this story within myself of like, cereal is a trigger food for me. If I eat cereal, then I'm going to overeat it. And I would reinforce that story by keeping it out of the house. But then when I did have it on occasion, I would feel out of control. And a way that I worked through that was by leaning into it and literally relearning how to have it in smaller quantities and fit it into what my daily calorie or macro intake allowed for. And by going through that process of rebuilding my metabolism, reverse dieting up to the max amount of calories that my body could really handle, that created more space in my my total calorie intake to have those treats in moderation and to feel satisfied in doing so and to relearn that I can have that. I could have it every single day in moderation and feel in control and feel satisfied. Yeah, that's right. It's just about... Uh, telling yourself telling yourself a new story about what you're doing and actually when you gain that deeper understanding of why you're reaching for the cereal box why you want to consume all of it um, and you create that self-awareness that's when you can start creating the changes because until you have that self-awareness it's just not possible to to do that and that's the same mindset coaching as well you know and everything I do you have to start with the understanding of of yourself first and um I think most of us women are emotional eaters I think um from I'm just thinking I can't think of anyone I know who's not an emotional eater (laughs) you know and it does it does help at times and if you've just been dumped by someone you're going to want to eat a whole tub of Ben and Jerry's and that's okay. (laughs) You know, sometimes it's nice and it's comforting. And um, like you say, everything in moderation is really the key to this. Yeah. And it's important to understand too, that emotional eating in reality, if we really stand back and look at it in and of itself, like you were saying, it's normal, it's natural, and it's not really something to be ashamed of as long as it's not completely controlling us. Because the reality is we have a range of emotions and there are absolutely foods that are going to be paired with those emotions. Like, you know, Christmas is right around the corner and you can absolutely bet I'm going to be leaning into my mom's homemade silk pie 
not because I'm hungry for that pie after eating a big Christmas dinner, but because of the emotional value that that pie gives me, that that's something special that I have on Christmas because my mom makes it. And it's not something for me to put this shame upon myself of like, I'm emotionally eating this pie. It's recognizing that, hey, this pie does give me these emotions that feel good. And I am choosing to eat this purely from an emotional standpoint. And that's okay. And I can be okay with that and move on and not cause more emotions, not cause this chain reaction of now I'm feeling guilt. And now that guilt is going to cause me to go and binge the leftovers later that night. And now the next day I'm feeling remorse. And that's going to cause me to go and over-exercise to try and burn it off and just cause these chain reactions of different actions coming from different emotions. Yeah, totally. And you just reminded me, like when I was taking it really seriously for the first time, um, I would I would make sure that I wasn't beating myself up. So if I if I did something quote unquote wrong or I ate the wrong food, I made a very good point of just going, you know what? Okay, I messed up, right? Let's not attach any to, let's not attach too much identity to this and just move on from it and like okay tomorrow's another day we're going to start again and that really really helped me um yeah it's a really good little trick mind trick yeah that's a great one yeah <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you about hormones yeah obviously we've spoken a little bit about mindset there and about the the choices of foods that we eat but how big a role do our hormones play in weight gain? Are some women more prone than others at putting weight on, or is that just a myth? Mm, so really, you know, we're looking at the first question there of like, what what role do hormones play in weight gain? The answer is a huge role because our hormonal systems are going to really influence all these different things going on. Again, it's interacting with what we call our metabolism. And our metabolism is really ultimately going to dictate if we are gaining body fat, if we're able to put on muscle, all these different things. So this is a very loaded question. There's so many avenues we could go down with this, but really this is why it's so important that we don't just look at weight gain as something of like, oh, I, I hate that I have these extra 10 pounds hanging around or I don't like the way my jeans fit. You know, I don't like this muffin top that I have. I'm just going to lose weight. And we also take a step back and look at weight gain as potentially a symptom, potentially a symptom of other things going on as well. And we also look for what are other symptoms going on? Because so many times we've been dealing with these actual symptoms of potentially hormonal dysfunctions for so long, we've completely normalized it. And we don't even think that it's potentially something to bring up until you have somebody who is an expert in this and can really lay out all these different symptoms, potentially have you fill out a, a questionnaire or a log of all the different things. And once you kind of see all of these things playing together and there might be something that you just never thought was anything to look into. And now you're recognizing like, oh my gosh, all of these are fitting together into a puzzle piece that could suggest potentially my sex hormones are off, potentially my thyroid is off, or potentially my cortisol is low. Like there are so many different things and they all play together. That really does influence your ability to lose weight or you potentially putting weight on for no explanation at all. Yeah. You got me, you got me thinking about uh, cortisol there as well, the stress hormone. Yes. I'm interested to know like what that can do. What if you, if you have too much cortisol on your body, because let's face it, a lot of us, especially us that live in like Western countries are stressed quite a lot of the time um, and yeah. slightly elevated um, level of cortisol. So what does that do to you? Yeah. So cortisol is a huge one when it does come to just unwanted weight gain, especially if we're talking about like gaining weight in our belly. A lot of times that can suggest something going on with cortisol, but you know, especially in our just like current society where we all are just overstressed, overworked, cortisol problems are just so, so common nowadays where I am seeing it more and more with our clients. And this was something that was a big issue for me. And again, take it back to, I not only was a nutrition and fitness coach myself, like I was living the life of what you would expect a nutrition and fitness coach to be, working out consistently, getting in daily movement, um, really working on my mental health as well. I was meditating daily. I was doing all the things right. Yet I wasn't actually fully looking at my total stress bucket to where your body can only handle so much stress. And so something like strength training 
is a form of stress on the body, but it's a healthy form of stress. It's a good form of stress where it causes adaptations in the body that can be really beneficial to you. However, if we're also stressed because of our job is really hard, we're also stressed because we're struggling in our relationship. If we're also stressed because we're in a calorie deficit, we're trying to lose body fat. All these different things are filling up that bucket of just what your total capacity for stress is, which it is going to be different for other people, for different people. Some people are more resilient to stress than others. But eventually, once you overfill that bucket, your body is going to just have this chain reaction of different things that are going to happen. So like for me, I got to a place where my body was producing so much cortisol all the time that eventually I led to something called adrenal fatigue, also called HPA axis insufficiency. Um, there's lots of different term terminology for this, but essentially what happens is I should be producing a certain amount of cortisol across the day. We produce the most in the mornings. It wakes us up a little bit less as the day goes on, and then it tapers off at the end of the night as we are preparing for sleep because cortisol is also like an awakening hormone. Well, when I first tested my cortisol um, about a year ago, it was essentially completely flatlined throughout the whole day, meaning that when it should be up nice and high in the morning because it wakes you up, it was really, really low. So I essentially had nothing naturally waking me up. And as these things are happening, it also is going to cause a chain reaction of different hormones, whereas different, they all interact with each other. So there's so many different reasons to point out why I did gain weight for essentially, you know, quote unquote, no reason. If you looked at what I was eating and how I was exercising, it would make no sense to you why I was gaining weight over time. Yet, once you looked at my hormone profile, you would say, okay, that makes total sense. Because, I mean, she has zero energy, obviously, if she has just hardly any cortisol flowing through her body and also all these other chain reactions. So it really, it's a, it's not talked about enough and it's not checked enough because it's not something that you know, especially in the States, like you go to a doctor and you express some different symptoms, they're going to draw typically a very basic blood panel where you might get some different things to just really check like your overall health. But they're rarely, if ever, going to do something like a saliva test to check your cortisol because we don't really want to check cortisol through blood. We want to check cortisol through saliva or dried urine to really see more clearly what it's looking like. And you, at least around here, I don't know anybody who can really get that from their doctor. It's something you have to typically go private on. So again, there's just not enough access to this stuff to where so many people just don't even realize. And they just walk around being like, I'm just so exhausted. I just feel so terrible all the time. And they just don't think anything of it. They just think it's the way they are. They think it's their personality. That's just, oh, I'm an introvert. I'm a homebody. They identify that way. And they don't realize there actually could be something going on that is fixable to where they can get back to that place of having energy and feeling full of life again. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy you brought all that up because, uh, yeah, I've, I experienced adrenal fatigue recently. Mm. I love what you said there about, you know, you're filling up your stress bucket with different types of stress, because I think this is like you say, what a lot of people don't realize is like, it's not just like mental stress, there's physical stress. And that can be from the form of overdoing exercise. Um, There's even stress from your environment. So, you know, I'm just thinking about I was because I'm a radiation therapist. So also I was (laughs) working in the hospital four and a half months. And then I went to Costa Rica, and I had literally no energy because I was doing something that was not good for me. Um, And yeah, sometimes, you know, it's good to stop the crown and think, am I actually doing things that are in alignment with me that feel right and good for me? Um, Because that is when it starts to to build up. And it's like, I feel now worried about going back for too long. So I don't want to get myself back to that place. But every time I go back to the hospital, this happens to me. Um, so it's again it's like creating more self-awareness but yeah stress oh my goodness like I'm so one of my biggest passions is to help people reduce stress because again in terms of weight loss and and maintaining a healthy weight this is what has kept the weight off for me because I've started meditating and I've just become so self-aware now that I'm able to identify which 
parts of my life are working through me and which aren't and if they're not how to get out of that and so I'm always able to come back to that balance now so man I love that you uh <laughs> you brought that up in so much detail yeah it's really you know I mean cortisol is it's really such an interesting thing to dive into. And it's something where I think a lot of people, once they do start to dive into it, they start to see things like, oh, you know, I need to take these supplements. I need to, like, I've seen a lot um, on social media, of like, take this adrenal cocktail and these different things. And again, it's not to say that those things are bad. Absolutely. When you're following a, the correct protocols and you're in the right place, like pr proper supplementation is oftentimes important to getting to a certain result. However, so much of what you need to work on starts with how you are interacting with your world, like what your environment is and how you are just taking care of yourself mentally and physically. It might be things that kind of surprise you. Like for me, I had to take a complete step back from any type of working out. And I was only able to do simply basically just yin yoga for about six months. Occasionally, I could do even a little bit more intensive yoga, but even that there was times where it would just cause my body to feel so under recovered. I was, my body was incapable of recovering from these types of physical activity. And that was mentally really hard. It got, it felt harder before it felt better because not only was I still super low energy, but I was struggling now mentally with this feeling of like, oh, now I'm not working out. And now I can't take out my stress via my exercise. Now I can't, you know, uh, see the physical changes happening in my body and feel good about myself for that. Now I have to completely just turn inward and look for ways internally to relieve stress, relieve that mental stress. I can't just like, oh, you know, I got in a fight with somebody and now I'm going to go just do a hard workout to like get it through it. No, it's like, okay, I got in a fight with somebody. I need to sit on this. I need to, you know, meditate on this. I need to do some deep breathing. I need to do some grounding exercises. Like I need to actually work through these emotions right now and get to the other side of this. And that is hard work, but it's so rewarding when you do it correctly. Goodness, it is. Um, and I was just thinking like I, when I first came here like a month ago, I did an exercise class, like a hit weights workout. And before I was doing those maybe like three times a week, but because I'm pretty sure it was adrenal fatigue, um, I would do it. And it literally destroyed me for the week. I had yeah. energy levels left or anything, but I love what you say there. You, you make a really good point about um, it's like a struggle to actually listen to yourself, but that's essentially what we're saying here. It's about, having that that moment, taking that pause and just reflecting inwards and saying, how do I actually feel right now? How can I honor my body right now? It's always about choosing to listen and honor yourself. And that is not an easy thing to do. And I think we all struggle with that one. I know I struggle with that on a daily basis. Um, but yeah, that that's really what it's about. Um, and, and it's when we don't listen, we're just going to make things worse for ourselves. Yeah, you are exactly correct. <laughs> Amazing. Well, what do you think, in, in your opinion, is the main reason why women struggle with losing and putting on weight? So obviously, we've spoken so much about hormones there. Um, and we've spoken about stress and things like that. But is there... Are there maybe like a like some main reasons that you see through again and again in your clients? You know, my initial kind of response here is really comes down to two things. And one is a little bit more tactical of like what women are actually doing. And that's that they are chronically under eating. We already talked about this of, you know, yeah. when you do under consume calories that causes that response in your metabolism to where now if you are metabolically adapted, you're not going to be able to lose weight because if you're burning a thousand calories now, because that's what you've been consistently eating, then theoretically to lose weight, you're gonna have to drop down to like 600 calories per day. And that is absolutely just not going to happen. Plus on top of that, you're only going to be not, you're not actually going to be losing the weight you want to lose. You're not going to look or feel good. It's just a host of other issues that can come from that. But on a broader side of things, I personally believe that I think the main reason why women really struggle to lose weight, struggle to maintain weight is coming down to the social pressures of our society around our weight and our bodies. 
I think so many women do it not from a place of love and a place of wanting to feel good and a place of wanting to just actually become their best selves, but from a place of feeling like obligation, from a place of, you know, throughout my whole life, my mom made fun of my body. She told me I need to eat less. She made comments when I went back for seconds and just had these just deep traumas around feeling like I need to lose weight because I need to let go of that way that my mom talked to me and think that that will heal me by losing the weight. When reality is, we really, if you're going to go down this process of losing weight and of changing your body, it has to truly be something where you deeply reflect and ask if that's truly what you want and what you need. And I think that's something that we really do a great job of in our coaching process is we don't just assume that you know losing weight is better or that you, know, you want to lose fat and that's going to make you a better, happier person because that's not necessarily true for everybody. There are reasons that people might gain weight for truly like because of things that they're working through internally. And it's okay if you don't want to lose weight. It's okay if you're happy with the body that you are in and you can be healthy at many sizes in your body. Of course, there are ends of the spectrum where when we're too lightweight, it's going to be unhealthy. If we're too high weight, it is going to be unhealthy. We're going to have more internal health issues. However, you truly, health can look differently on so many different people. And you can feel the way you want to feel and you can live the life you want to live without necessarily looking like that Instagram model, without losing that last 15 pounds. You don't have to fit into just the lower number of pants to be a better, like more worthy person. And I think because so many women are trying to chase weight loss from that place of lack and that place of feeling like it's going to improve their worth, they're never successful with it because we're always going to be having those blocks Like we're not actually going to be able to follow through on the behaviors we need to take in order to get there because it's not truly what we deeply really want. And our subconscious knows that. And our subconscious is what's going to dictate our actual actions and lead us to that. Yeah, 100%. And something I coach my clients on is uh, when we're doing something, you know, really understanding your why for doing it, you know. Yes. Why are you actually doing this? What value is it giving you is it adding is it adding value to your life you know and then setting a crystal clear intention as well behind what you're doing that's so important but a lot of what you're saying there what I'm hearing is really what we're talking about is is self-love and self-acceptance more than anything because actually you know being healthy is the most important thing really and like you say it's like that state of feeling healthy and it looks different on everyone. Um, so yeah, you want to get yourself to to that place and accept and love and be comfortable with who you are. And that's a lot of the work that I do for people. Um, and like you say, it, it is then all reflected, you know, it can then be reflected in, in your diet and the way you look, so yeah. Exactly, could not have said it better myself. And it sounds like you're doing incredible work there too. And that's you know, like with us, with our coaching service, you're never going to see us offer like a, you know, just buy here now button, like just join our service, start losing weight. Because really like anytime we're going to take on a client into our one-on-one coaching, we do go through that process. We, we really take them through a process, asking them a lot of questions, make them get clear on why they want to do this, what they really want, what is their intention? How is that going to benefit them? And all of these things to really help peel back that onion and get to those deeper layers because, The reality is we really, you know, going back to our mission is not just about changing the way women look, changing their physical body, but it's changing how they feel and it's changing their relationship with their body, no matter what that looks like. It might mean not losing weight for some women. It might mean getting, just getting their energy up, just improving their relationship with food and just helping them learn more about how to take care of their bodies so that then they can take that information forward and teach it to their daughters, their sisters, their friends, and help just women around the world start to have this more common knowledge of how to take care of our bodies correctly. And we just have to have that deeper why that drives us at the end of the day. And I love what you say there about not making it about instant results, because it's not. It's it's uh, it's about creating a, a different lifestyle. It's, it's having a lifestyle change and then making it sustainable. 
Um, that's what's important. It's a process and it takes time. And I always say, you know, I say this a lot probably on the show, but <laughs> take nature for an, for example, you know, a, a beautiful tree does not grow into a beautiful, massive tree overnight. It takes hundreds of years, not that we're hundreds of years, but it takes a long time to get there, right? So you get the point I'm making. Um, and, and nothing in nature, nature doesn't rush and mm. change takes time. So it's just about having the consciousness around that to make space for that thoughts and accepting it and just knowing, okay, I'm going on a journey here. I'm going on a process. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm going to honor myself and I'm going to show up for myself every step of the way. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of that surrender comes into it and just letting go and letting it unfold at the time that it needs to unfold at its own pace. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I love the tree analogy. I like to always turn to, um, have you ever heard of like the bamboo tree analogy where it's, there's a, an actual type of bamboo tree that it, it's really wild. If you actually look it up, um, I don't know the exact stats off the top of my head, but it's something like if you plant this, the seed of this bamboo tree, you have to water it, take care of it every single day, the seed. And for the first year, nothing happens, not even a single sprout out of the earth. And yet you have to keep going, keep watering, keep taking care of it. And in the second year, still nothing happens. And then I think it's a whole nother like third year, still not even a single sprout out of the earth from the seed. But then it's once you get to the fourth year, suddenly out of nowhere, this thing shoots up and it it's the fastest growing plant on the earth. Like it grows an insane, you'll have to look it up because I don't know the actual stats off the top of my head, but it grows an insane amount amount in a very, very short period of time. And that's really what this whole process of improving our health, improving our our physique, all of this looks like. We have to do so much work of laying that foundation, of watering our seed, taking care of ourselves day after day with potentially seeing no results for a period of time. But if you stick with it and you keep going, you keep taking care of yourself, you keep following through and showing up for yourself, like out of nowhere, one day you're going to be like, I'm an overnight, just complete transformation. I feel and look completely different. And you just, people are going to ask you like, what did you do? How did this happen? And like, that's where you start being labeled this overnight success. There really is no such thing as an overnight success. It comes from days, months, years of hard work. Oh my God. I love that so much. You gave me full body chills and I was laughing. <laughs> people can't see but I was laughing because I was like oh what she's talking about sounds like the first year of my business <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the first if not many years of most businesses yeah exactly it is it's just about um like you say you keep wat watering your own seed and uh nurturing it and taking care of it and yeah, it's true. You never know when that moment's going to come where you just shoot up to the sky and everything changes. And yeah, it it just takes time. Oh my God, I absolutely love that. I am going to steal that off you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great one. I don't remember where I first heard it, but definitely steal it because I wasn't, I didn't come up with it. <laughs> well, I definitely quote it. Yeah, for sure. Um, So we, we spoke, we touched briefly on exercise earlier and I noticed you mentioned about weights and actually when I did started weight training whoa what a transformation I had and I was even doing like circus skills like I did aerial silks for four years gonna start wow. by the way for those people interested who are following me on Instagram so there'll be a few pics coming up of that but uh yeah it's um it, it, and I was like oh my god this is so good for fitness and everything but I wasn't happy inside and nothing changed but actually a, a good catalyst for me was when I started weight training. So do you think that weights are probably one of the best forms of exercises or, or, or does it kind of depend on you and again, your, your body and your makeup and all that? Mm, well, I think like with most things, the answer is it depends. But, you know, when you say like, is it the best form of exercise? It really depends on what you mean by the best. What, what result are you after? What is your intention with exercising with moving your body. If you are after physique change, if you want to lose body fat, change how you look, then strength training is absolutely number one on the list without a doubt about it because of the way it does affect your metabolism. When you are strength training, you are causing an adaptation in your body to produce lean muscle mass. And essentially every pound of lean muscle burns an extra, I believe it's like four to six calories. And as you are adding on that lean muscle as well, not only does it burn more calories, but it's going to just change 
your hormone profile. It's going to change everything about you. And it's going to have this response that, again, just speeds up your metabolism and causes these changes in you. So as you put on muscle and you just you just focus on getting stronger, if you stick with that over time, you keep watering that seed, like that analogy that we used before, you absolutely can have an incredible transformation that you cannot get from other forms of exercise. Yeah. However, I think it's important to say, though, too, that again, when we talk about what is the best form of exercise, it depends on what your intention is for some people. Yoga is the best form of exercise. For some people, running is the best form of exercise. There's going to be different forms of exercise that have different benefits in different places and different people's lives. So a lot of times people will you know, even make an assumption that I might be like anti-cardio because I'll a lot of times put things on social media of like really explaining the benefits of strength training by using examples of you know, here was my client who was running marathons and couldn't lose weight. We had her stop running completely, start doing strength training. Here's her transformation. And I'll give a lot of these examples to really drive home the point of strength training can have incredible physique changes. However, I am absolutely not against cardio by any means. I think there are benefits to cardio. I think number one, one of the greatest benefits, not only for your actual cardiovascular health, but for mental health. A lot of people underestimate how running can make you feel just by the fact that it, it's a monotonous behavior. And there is even research to support how it can actually help you work through traumas that are stored in the body. There's a lot of ways that it can benefit you, but it does depend on each individual person. Because if somebody came to me and they're struggling with adrenal fatigue, which is also oftentimes linked to history of traumas, then in that case, we want to remove all high intensity exercise to lower that cortisol response. But as we get that your adrenals working properly again, adding back in cardio for a place of it's something that you enjoy doing, it feels good to you, then absolutely that means that it's healthy for you. But it really depends on each individual person and what is healthy for them and what their body responds to. Yeah, that's it. And everybody's so unique. Everybody's different. And you really have to take that into consideration. And also, like you say, it's it's about enjoying it as well. You know, we're not doing it because we're like, we feel that we shouldn't be doing because we feel like we need to do it. We should be doing it because we want to love and respect and honor our bodies. But at the same time, we want to enjoy ourselves. You know, we don't want to be doing something that feels miserable um, and strenuous. This is why I don't do cardio very much. <laughs> <laughs> but but sometimes actually what I enjoy here in Costa Rica, actually, is running along the beach on Fiona's Beach. It's, it's so beautiful. Um, and I, I love that. But I don't run anywhere else. Um, if this, if, if I live by the sea, yes. Okay. Sometimes I run, but very, very rarely, but that's, that makes me feel so happy. Like you say, it's like the mental aspect of it. Um, so yeah, mentally, you know, I'm taking all these beautiful views and yeah. And I'm also not overdoing it. It's not like I'm running a marathon. Um, so yeah, it, it's, I can see how, like what you're saying there, how it is so different for everybody. Yeah. I mean, similarly, I, you know, growing up, I had a relationship with running where it felt like an obligation because it was something that naturally as a kid, I was pretty good at. So, you know, my parents, of course, they put me into like running programs of, oh, you're going to go run cross country now because you're good at it and these different things to where it felt like something I had to do and some, instead of something that was a choice for me. And so then as I got older and I actually started to rebel against those things, I quit those clubs and different things. Then I went through a period of time where I was truly very lazy. I was very sedentary. I would get home from school and I would just lay on the couch and eat snacks. And my parents would start to kind of make comments of like, hey, you know, gently saying like, maybe you should try some different forms of exercise, doing some different things. And when I would become like a little bit of a rebel, what I would do is then suddenly just go run as many miles as I could. I would go and run, you know, nine miles around the neighborhood when I hadn't run in months. And I would be hurting for it, but I would be like, see, I can, I'm still in shape. I can do this. And it was just this rebellious nature. And then as I got older and I got into more of like college in my early 20s, I looked to running as a form of losing weight. I, like most women, assumed that by doing more cardio, it would accelerate my fat loss. And so I added more and more cardio. I would just run before work. I would run after work. I would do a, a full workout and then go for another run afterwards. I would just run all the time as just this this thinking that this is going to cause me to lose more weight. And it really truly wasn't until I realized that strength training actually can have that best response in the body that I let go of running 
And then later I came back to it for more of a healthy way of recognizing that, you know, I do actually enjoy this in some ways to where I, for me, I really enjoyed like anytime I would go to a new place, I would travel somewhere. My preferred choice of exploring the city was to go for a run around the city and check it out on foot. And for me, it felt good to know that I could go and run around and it felt freeing. So it really completely depends on what your relationship is with that form of exercise. Because again, the the mental just input you put in there of like what you think about it and the stories that you're telling yourself about it also affects the way it affects your body too. And it does affect the stress response. It does. And I talk a lot about um, positive reinforcement. And, um, you know, I, I think some people laugh at me for going on about affirmations, but actually the way you talk to yourself really, really does matter. Like your body is listening and, um, you know, it does actually go into every cell in your body. You're, you're effectively your own God. So if you're, if you're telling yourself you look like shit, you're going to feel like shit. So, um, <laughs> you know, you want to be, you want to be putting in positive words. In 100%. It's how the brain functions of when yeah. we have these thoughts, we have these thoughts that become beliefs, your brain is going to look for evidence of that belief to be true. And so you might not recognize that you're having a belief. You're, to you, it's just a thought. You might not even be aware of the thought. You're only feeling the feeling that that thought is creating. But if you trace it back and you look at what the thought is, then you recognize that that thought is now a belief in your mind. And you think of like, what is the evidence for that belief? That's what your body's going to your brain is going to look for that evidence and you're going to see it. You're going to feel it. And it's going to become your reality. Totally. I can't remember what study it is, but I remember reading a study about uh, a group of, I think it's probably twins. It was a twin study. And then uh, one twin was like telling themselves like to say not nice things to themselves in the mirror. And the other was like telling themselves to say positive things and that actually affected their their weights. And actually the one who was not, then they were eating the same diet and everything and doing the same exercise, all very controlled. So yeah, that's um, a really, really like interesting point I thought, and actually pretty much proves it. Um, yeah, well, in my mind anyway. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I 100% believe it. I know I've seen studies before of like comparing like a, a weight loss, like eating protocol versus just putting the same people into therapy. And those that were in therapy actually lost more weight than those that were on a specific eating protocol. And it really does show of like how your mind and your thoughts and just what you think really does affect your physical body. Totally. So yeah, this, I think this has been the reoccurring theme throughout this interview is mindset. Um, you know, it really, really the, the, the bulk of this is your mindset. And once you get that right and get it where you want it to be, then everything else will follow. Um, yeah, it's really quite incredible. And I'm, I'm living proof of that as well. Um, cause I do eat all sorts of food now. I don't restrict myself, but I'm so happy. I'm the happiest I've ever been. And oh, I love that. Yeah. And it just, it just goes to show. And when I was unhappy, no, nope, I was chubby and I couldn't lose the weight. So there we go. <laughs> um, so for everyone listening, who's ready to start making serious, healthy changes to their body, uh, what advice would you give them before they spend all their money on kale and a Equinox gym membership? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it really does depend on where you're at now, what you're currently doing. The, it's going, you know, we take a very individualized approach. But when I really think of like what is broad advice I could give to just about everybody, is really focusing on a few simple things. You know, what is your water intake looking like? How much water are you drinking? Really just look at currently audit how much are you drinking on a daily basis and think about increasing that by at least 20 ounces per day. Then from there, look at how much are we sleeping? You know, are we getting seven to nine hours a night consistently? That's going to have a huge effect on your body composition because of the way it affects your hormones. It affects everything. Mm -hmm. And then also, if we're going to actually look at, you know, of course, people want to know, like, what should I be eating? Like, should I go buy all the kale? The reality is when it comes down to what you're eating, main thing I like to encourage people to focus on is eating enough protein and eating enough fiber. So for most women, we're looking at for protein if you look at what is your about what your current weight is in pounds, 
just aim for about that many grams in protein. Or if you feel like you have a good bit of weight to lose, if you're on maybe, you know, you're just on the heavier end of the spectrum in terms of what your body weight looks like, then it might be more of like taking 0.8 times your weight in body weight. And that can be your protein goal that you're shooting for. And then with fiber, for most women, eating about 25 to 35 grams per day is usually about right. But again, with all of these things, it really does take an individualized approach. Because if you have potentially some gut health issues, then we're going to probably look a little bit differently at your fiber intake and your protein intake. If you're having you know, specific goals, we might be looking at things a little bit differently. But really those four things of your water intake, your protein intake, your fiber intake, and your sleep can have an incredible effect on your body. Yeah, great. Yeah, and I, I attest to that too. Um, sleep for me is my number one. If, if, I, if I don't get enough sleep, I'm an eight-hour girl. If I don't get those eight hours, I'm screwed. Like I can't focus, I can't concentrate. Um, I mean, I'll share that I didn't actually get enough last night. So I had a little power nap in the middle of the day, which I need. Good for you. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't have actually been able to do this interview if I hadn't have done that. So, you know. It... I, yeah, I'm the same way. We need the sleep. <laughs> yeah, sleep is so important. Um, and that's a whole other topic. In fact, I'm hoping to get a sleep expert on the show. So if you're mm. listening, that's coming up at some point. Um, amazing. So you and I obviously both know that looking good is never as important as feeling good. However, there is a symbiotic relationship here between the two. So with that said, I'd love for you to share the most valuable lesson that you've learned throughout your own journey. Mm, that's a tough question, man. The most valuable lesson, you know, with what you were even saying of like looking good and feeling good, really being that symbiotic relationship for me, that couldn't be truer throughout my whole struggles from being somebody who was struggling with my relationship with food, being overweight, struggling to lose the weight, becoming metabolically adapted, learning to speed up my metabolism, then having um, some hormone health issues through all the different things that I've been through. There really has always been this theme coming back to really working on myself. And that's why I love talking about mindset as well. Even though I am a nutrition and fitness coach, so much mindset does go into your results yeah. because that's really what it all comes back to is like we were talking about what your thoughts are. And so for me, I would say the most important lesson is truly comes down to just getting to know yourself and what it is that you truly want, what your actual true version of success looks like. Because a lot of people hear success and they instantly think things like money, like our bodies, and just how people perceive them, whether that's online or in person, you know, what people think of them, their, their credentials. But the reality is success for you might look completely different to where it might be you know, you going off and, I don't know, living in the woods and feeling like you're just being able to just be in nature and just feel at peace with the world. That might be your ultimate success goal. But you have to get super clear on what it is that you truly want. And then you can understand the different components that can go into that. Like, how should your health be? How should your body be? What should your lifestyle be? What should your relationship with food and exercise be to get to that ultimate level of success? Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. And that's pretty much me. I'm I feel successful just from being here in Costa Rica and being able to run around the jungle and play with the monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds to me that's incredibly successful. You're man, you're running a podcast, living out in Costa Rica, like taking runs on the beach. Like, man, I I think that sounds pretty incredible. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's, it's my dream and I love it. So yeah. Dreams can <laughs> Well, Vanessa, you've been an absolutely incredible guest. Oh my God, I just love this conversation so much. Like, I feel I could just ask you so many questions, go off on so many different tangents here. But unfortunately, it has become to a, to a close. And so I just want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your wisdom. You obviously know your stuff. You know so much about this. And I'm pretty sure everyone listening will feel the same. So how can people get in contact with you if they're keen on learning more and maybe want your support. Yeah. So the best place to uh, get in touch with me and just find out more, 
see if I can offer you any support, any resources, anything like that, is to reach out to me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at Vanessa G Fitness. And, you know, if you do give me a follow or find me, like shoot me a message. I would love to hear that you found me through this podcast and chat and see if anything resonated with you or just see what's going on with you. I love to get to know people. Amazing. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you. This has been great. Thanks for listening. If you learned something today, the best way to say thank you is to subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review in iTunes. And if this particular episode resonated with you, do me a favor and take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram story. Don't forget to tag me at Vanessa G Fitness so I can show you some love. All right, my carb queens, talk to you in the next episode.